sounds like this whole social isolation and social distancing that people are experiencing right now would give you more social rest, but that's actually not what social rest is. What it is, is the rest we get when we are around people who don't need anything from us, but who are just life-giving to us, who we feel better when we're in their presence. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. So if you're struggling in isolation, then today's episode is 100% for you because we're going to be discussing how you can not only become healthier, but also happier as well. So there is talk about self-awareness. There is talk about managing your energy and the energy around you and being mindful of the things that help you and the things that don't. This is a fascinating discussion with a doctor who has incredible expertise in her field and kindly shares her wisdom today to help you all make sure that we come out of this isolation period in the best possible way, not only being happier, but also healthier. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Please do let me know your thoughts. Don't forget to tag us in on social media. And of course, check out the recent YouTube channel, which is now being uploaded with content every single day. I am delighted to be able to welcome Sandra onto today's episode of Find Your Voice. Sandra, how are we doing today? I'm great. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So you are on the other side of the pond, I believe. Whereabouts are you based exactly? Yes, I'm on the East Coast in um, Alabama, near Birmingham. Well, actually here in the UK, we have our own Birmingham and I'm actually based not too far myself as well from Birmingham. Now, what was interesting was I remember when we first had a few discussions in terms of getting you on the show and I was really interested because you have kind of like a speciality in terms of rest and burnout, which I think is really, really important, obviously, for the listeners and for many of us going through life. Fortunately, I've taken this quarantine lockdown scenario that we all seem to be going through in these current times as a time to actually rest and kind of avoid burnout. But I'm sure there's still people out there who are going to benefit so, so much from this information that you're going to provide us. So one of the things I want to do before we jump into that and jump into depicting your mind and getting all of the juicy facts and all the amazing stuff out of it is I want to learn a little bit about you because I'm always intrigued why people do what they do in terms of their roles or their jobs in today's society. So Sandra, if you wouldn't mind, if you could just maybe give myself and the listeners a bit of a backstory about yourself, maybe some key information in terms of the person you are and what actually brings you here today on Find Your Voice. Yes, well, my full name is Sandra Dalton-Smith. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician. I've been in practice for about 20 years and about half in midway of that practice, I started to get to a point of burnout. Um, I think really for me, medicine was one of those professions where I assumed burnout would be kind of just part of it. I knew the hours, I knew the workload, but, and I, and honestly, I feel like many of us, many physicians and healthcare workers really accept burnout as part of the profession. And that does us no justice and it does our patients no justice because you know, in the end, it really makes it so that you are, you're functioning out of your exhaustion and really not functioning from a, from a good place, not out of your best, not really able to even give your best. And so when I got to that point in my life, I felt like I needed to make a decision. I, I either was going to 
come out of the profession that I had spent my entire life, you know, working to get in or figure out a way to be able to do it and still feel energized and happy and relaxed and able to actually have a good relationship with my patients and not be in a situation where I was always just wound up and so easily agitated by things. And so that took me on a journey of doing a lot of research. And I spent about five years researching the process of, of what does rest look like? You know, is sleep and rest the same thing or are they not? Um, and if they're different, what's different about them? And, um, you know, that led to the book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, which then led to a lot of media. Um, Fast Company picked up a story on it. Um, you know, I was on Dr. Oz as a guest. Uh, psychology today just lots of opportunity because we we really live in a in a burnout society and so when people started hearing there are seven types of rest you know it it, it opened up a lot of eyes and I think that's probably why you know to date over 90,000 people have taken that free assessment at restquiz.com to find out what type of rest are they missing because they know something's missing Wow, fantastic. And I think you hit the nail on the head at the end of that, actually, when you said it's almost become a burnout society and it's no different here. In fact, the whole mentality behind hustle and sleep later or sleep when you're dead, that kind of philosophy, it's not really serving people, although we kind of feel that's what we need to be doing. And I've been a massive, massive advocate for um, sleep. Sleep for me as an ex-personal trainer and somebody who's very into the health and fitness side, I'm like, sleep should be your number one priority, even above your nutrition and your exercise. So I love that you've put so much time and so much energy into researching. And yes, I know you have seven types of rest and burnout, which I find fascinating because again, I only thought there was just the sleep side. So if you wouldn't mind, can we delve a little bit into that? So just for somebody listening now, and I'm just thinking as a listener, what's the difference between somebody just being tired and being burnt out? Yeah, and and really it's a level of fatigue. I think you said that very well you know, is it just me being tired or is it something I need to address? Because with burnout, you're getting to a level of deficiency that now is actually being destructive to parts of your life. You know, all of us get tired. That's the the energy in and energy out. So one of the things when we're talking about these different types of rest, um, and I'll name those just so we kind of have an idea of what, what I'm referring to, the seven different types are the physical, mental, and spiritual. Those are the three most people are well familiar with. And then the other four that are less well-known are the emotional, social, sensory, and creative. So all seven of those buckets, you're pouring out of those energy kind of reservoirs every day, but some of them you automatically restore without really thinking too hard about it because you just have habits that are restorative and, and put that energy back in. The burnout comes when you have, a, when you're pouring out of one of these seven areas but you don't have a mechanism for restoring that same area. So you get to a level of depletion that then becomes detrimental to your overall well-being. Interesting. And as you said that, so I've just quickly wrote them down. Hopefully I've got them already. So it's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creativity, I think was the last one. Creative, yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm similar to yourself in terms of when I find something fascinating or something that I've experienced, I am a research nerd. So hopefully I don't have to spend five years (laughs) and I can just literally jump off the back of your incredible work at the end of this episode. But I've wrote those down because I want to learn about those myself as well, because I'm all for people 
finding their way in life and finding their voice and overcoming their adversities or any sort of troubles they've been through. But I want to also give them hacks as well, ways that they don't have to struggle, maybe the way that you've struggled in terms of your burnout to be able to be the best versions of themselves. So a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind then, what got you into this profession that you were doing? Was there anything that you were doing previously in terms of your careers or anything? Or was this kind of where you always saw yourself in terms of where you were going to go as a young person? No, this isn't where I thought I would be. So, <laughs> Interesting. Um, tip, I've, as an you know, internist, my, my, my work really keeps me in the ICU and the ER and, you know, within my medical practice. So my idea of how my medical profession would look in my head when I, you know, as a 20 something going through medical school was that I would be in the office during the day and I would go to the ER, you know, during my shifts and I would be in the ICU treating patients you know, rinse and repeat was kind of how my thought process on that looked like. I have always loved research. My, my major in college was biochemistry. And I spent time even in medical school doing research on the side, because I've always had a love of research. But I felt like that love of research would end once my clinical practice began, I couldn't see both of them um, intermixing in any way. Now, granted, that was research in in a lab uh, during college and medical school, and this is more human research than it is a lab-based research. But I, but I really never thought that those two loves would be able to come together, the clinical and the research, the way that it has. And I don't think it probably would have had I not experienced burnout myself. And when I say that, sometimes people ask, well, what do you mean you experienced burnout? What did that actually look like? You know, for me, it got to the point where, I had a very difficult time with, I had, I had social rest, a social rest deficit, meaning that all day I was working and dealing with people, their emotions, you know, their fears. I mean, those are the kind of things you're interacting with and encountering in an ICU ER type setting. And so I was constantly having to manage other people's emotions, which requires you to use a level of your own emotions and social interaction skills to do that effectively. So at the end of the day, I would come home to my husband and my kids. And I remember telling him one day, you know, I don't have anything left. I don't, I don't want to have a conversation. (laughs) I don't want to talk about anything. You know, I, I was tapped out. I had no more social energy to give to anyone in my own home. And so, you know, that was started to put strain on relationships, which I think are a huge part of burnout for many people. Um, I didn't have time for physical exercise or activity. You know, I would, I would, I was a weekend warrior, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, I try to fit in it all, <laughs> you know, on a Saturday or Sunday, whichever day I happen to have off. And I wasn't doing any kind of consistent restorative physical um, activity. You know, physical rest is divided into the sleep, the passive and the active. Passive being, you know, the sleeping and the nap, napping. Active physical rest includes things like stretching and leisure walking and yoga those things that improve just your circulation and your lymphatic. Well, I wasn't doing any of it. So at the, you know, at the end of a work day, I was painful. I was, um, so when I say I was tired, I would lay down in bed with my body physically aching because my muscles were wound up. My legs would be swollen from not having, you know, for sitting or standing all day long. And I, I wouldn't, my body wouldn't be comfortable enough to actually get into a deep level of restorative type sleep. I would sleep very lightly. So I, I was in those, you know, stage 
one and two of non-REM sleep and not really getting to those deeper levels of non-REM sleep where the restoration really occurs. So, you know, all of that was what was playing on me when I say I was burning, burned out because I never, I would go to bed tired and I would wake up just as exhausted as I went to <laughs> yeah. bed. And, you know, and that was after maybe six, seven, eight hours. Wow. That's so interesting. So there's a few things actually, I think many listeners, including myself can relate to and sympathize with, especially that feeling of when you come home and you just literally have no energy to even be a human I've, <laughs> I've definitely experienced that and the other thing that you said actually was which was quite interesting and I'm I'm kind of creating a little video on it myself because I'm really interested with sleep and I really I was that person who used to sleep two and a half hours a day I used to have two jobs I used to work out two or three times a day and I thought you know I, I was the greatest person in the world and then I very very quickly started to recognize that it was affecting my psychology my anxiety and quite a lot of stuff in my life and now I'm almost like the complete opposite. I will sleep as long as my body needs to sleep. And you mentioned something about how you go to sleep tired and you wake up almost just as tired. And I'm actually researching this myself, which is what I find fascinating. So two days ago, I was creating this video and I was really getting into some articles and publications about it. And it's, and it's quite interesting because sometimes it's not always the duration. It's actually the quality of your sleep as well. Um, and just quickly, the, the reason I asked this question is because it's funny how life turns out. I mean, the last thing I thought I would have been doing five years ago is speaking on a podcast with people like yourself and trying to make my story and try and make my goal of trying to inspire and help as many people as possible via a podcast. It's completely random how that happened and how you had to experience burnout to obviously get to where you are. I had to go through a certain level of adversity to really get to where I am. So that's always kind of why I asked that question uh, just to kind of put a bit of context into it. But thank you so much for obviously all the information that you just shared there and again writing notes so I'm going to be doing a lot of research after this show <laughs> because what we're going through now obviously people are losing their lives and, and it's not necessarily something that I just want to be looking oh this is really great that's come out of it but one of the blessings is people are now starting to recognize the importance of their health i.e their lung capacity their heart health and everything from it so I always try and find some level of silver lining in it and I just think now we need to especially in this time if it is researching well we have nothing else to do while we're sat at home it's learning of ways to better ourselves and start to almost discipline ourselves and get the right habits in place, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I agree with you. You know, it's as you stated, you know, this, is, this isn't something any of us would, would ever wish on, on anyone, you know, to have to, to go through um, this situation with COVID. But I do believe that it is an opportunity for many people to evaluate how strong is my immune system, you know, and are the things I'm doing is are my lifestyle choices building my immunity or breaking it down absolutely I'm 100% with that I think you chose the right word there we have an opportunity now because obviously I'm conscious of my health I always have been but I'm unable to expend as much energy now obviously trying to stay self-isolated so I've had to make clever choices and if anything I'd probably say this is the most disciplined and the most health conscious I've become so I really try and encourage people to just even if it's just one simple hack so for me it's let's just take away that Saturday or Friday night a couple of beers that's four five six hundred calories obviously alcohol is not really going to give you many benefits and I've just made that small change so on the basis of that, I just want to segue ever so slightly into your life in terms of what kind of habits then do you implement maybe on a daily basis to obviously avoid future burnout, but just for yourself as well, just for your physical and mental health? Yeah, well, one that was really helpful to me, as I mentioned, I had this big issue with with um, social rest deficit, and it was because so much of my energy was spent with people who needed something from me. 
And one of the things that I saw in the research and I talk about in the book, Sacred Rest, is about how we get social rest back into our lives. You know, it sounds like this whole social isolation and social distancing that people are experiencing right now would give you more social rest, but that's actually not what social rest is. What it is, is the rest we get when we are around people who don't need anything from us, but who are just life-giving to us, who we feel better when we're in their presence. So that's something that I had to learn, that, that it's important for me to have adult friends. And as someone who was very busy, I couldn't always break away, you know, to go hang out with my adult friends. So I had to start learning ways of, of getting that social rest that didn't require me to find a babysitter for my toddlers or to have to, you know, my two friends, one's on the West Coast in California and the other one's in, um, is up in Canada. So, and I'm on the East Coast. So we are miles and miles away from each other. These are my two closest friends. What we started to do is we do monthly Skype calls and we do them on a video platform because the research that I did showed that there is an energy and a, a power really in presence and being able to have eye contact with someone, even if that eye contact is virtual, just being able to look into someone's eyes and, and, and see their, their facial expression and see their, their body movements and their mannerisms. All of those things have a restorative component when it's someone who's life-giving. And the problem is many of us, we spend most of our social energy with people who are negatively pulling on our energy resources. Not that they're negative people, you know, your kids, your spouse, your elderly parents, you know, they're not <laughs> negative people, but, you know, they're negatively pulling on your energy because they're requiring something from you. And I found that I really had to make a priority of being around those people who didn't need anything from me, but who just loved me and wanted to spend time with me and were there for me to kind of share what's going on with my life. And I could, you know, we would go, we would interact back and forth and have be that social rest for each other. Absolutely love that answer. So for myself, managing my anxiety, it's it's the same kind of thing in terms of my energy levels. Um, I'm quite an introverted person by nature as well. And I always recognize around certain people, again, not negative people, but certain people mm -hmm. I can thrive a lot more. And actually, I'm almost like an extrovert around these people. Whereas other people, I just feel sapped and I feel like my energy is draining. And I have to monitor myself in terms of when these people come into my lives, at what times. Like, are they coming in the morning when I'm trying to focus on the most important parts of my day, for example? Or are they coming at the end where I have a little bit more patience and I don't mind necessarily losing that little bit of energy just to kind of obviously keep a rapport and a relationship there. So that, that was really, really interesting. And you kind of flew by it, but I want to just fly straight back to it, actually. You said that you explained this in a book. Yeah, the book is Sacred Rest. Okay. Recover your life, renew your energy, restore your sanity. That's the subtitle. Okay, fantastic. So by looking at the work that you've done, I'm going to time collapse my journey of those five years of research. So you saved me <laughs> a hell of a lot of time there. Thank you for that. Do you have an audible version by any chance? It, it, it does have an audiobook version as well as an ebook version. Fantastic. Well, what I'm going to do is obviously I'm going to grab all that information and put it in the show notes if anyone else is as interested as myself. So I'm definitely going to be checking that out. So thank you so much for sharing that and obviously for the work that you're doing because this is really important. And I hope something like this topic as well can get out there even more so especially when we come out of isolation as well so we're not just literally jumping back into the rat race of our old nine to five habits because like you said this is a window of opportunity now and hopefully we can get this window of opportunity and really try and help people move forward so 
thank you for that insight. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think it's really important right now that, especially with all the talk about social distancing, that we still be, are able to get that social rest that we need. 100%. So I'm going to segue ever so slightly now then, if I may. What is your biggest fear? My biggest fear, I guess right now, and it, it, it would be would have been very different maybe a month ago <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. before all of this started happening. So, you know, but right now, today, I would probably say my biggest fear is that um, not necessarily the virus itself, but in how the virus is affecting the emotional health and well-being of people. Um, you know, there's a lot of fear and anxiety around it. Um, a lot of the talks that I've done, you know, with radio and TV have, have not so much been from my internal medicine standpoint, but has been more from how do we help people mentally? And so just within my, for myself, I'm, I'm very aware of how much news I watch, you know, very aware. I, I want to stay, I want to stay informed without getting agitated in, in the level of information that I'm receiving. Um, so there's a fine line with that. And so my, and, and I'm very cognitive of it, very self-aware of kind of where I'm at mentally even my own sensory overload levels. I'm very aware of when I'm consuming too much um, electronics even. I'm, I'm afraid that most people do not have that level of self-awareness. And as a physician, it, it troubles me to think, how, what is the world going to look like if everybody comes out of this, you know, with, with these great levels of sensory overload and emotional rest deficits and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I uh, second that as well because mental health, and this is kind of what the initial podcast falls under in terms of its categories. It's, it's a huge passion of mine. I, I try and be as big as advocate as I can because I've seen the effects of it across all of my family, including obviously with myself as well. And myself and a couple of friends, we started a men's mental health podcast off the back end of last year, just as a kind of passion project to really try and help people, especially like with male suicide and stuff. And we felt like especially within our local community we were gaining some traction in terms of we were stopping teenagers from committing suicide we were literally just sharing our vulnerabilities we weren't coming from a scientific background we were just trying to come from a man-to-man kind of background and just letting them know that it's okay to be experiencing what you're experiencing and as this kind of whole isolation stuff started and having drawn on my previous roles as a social worker where I worked with the elderly who suffered with loneliness and social isolation I started to think, oh my God, and it became a little bit overwhelming for me and the anxiety started to rise when I was thinking, everybody's going to leave this place or within two or three weeks time, everyone's going to understand what loneliness really means, what social isolations can do to somebody. And that did worry me the, the same way that it worries you because now I worry for not just people's physical health. So we get all the memes and all the jokes that everyone's putting on weight because all they're doing is sitting there. But I'm more concerned with actually their mental health. And I don't know the answer right now in terms of, what I could be doing in the podcast or moving forward but I know definitely something like this and this conversation now hopefully if people listen to it there's tangible steps that they can take moving forward so I think it's definitely something that we will have to be mindful of because right now and without trying to be a pessimist I'm thinking some people aren't going to be the same when they come out of this isolation period yeah and that's that's exactly what I you said that very well because that's exactly what my fear is is that they they would have gone into this situation kind of you know happy and uh, you know, at, a, at at least a level of contentment yeah. and peace in their life where, you know, they weren't always thinking about this type of stuff. They weren't living in fear or living in anxiety or, you know, it's almost like this 
has kind of taken that disillusionment off that something like this could never happen. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's the, you know, so for so many of us, we look at this and it's like, I would have never thought something like this could happen in my lifetime <laughs> Absolutely. and we're living it, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're living it. And so my fear is that people are going to come out and, and not be able to get back to themselves, almost be like in a, a mental kind of wonder zone, like lost mentally from who they really are and kind of boxed in with these fears and these anxieties. Similar to yourself. I've just got my fingers crossed. And again, if there's any like ways that I can try and, spread some positivity or something tangible I, I always try and work on tangibility rather than just hey this is a motivational quote for example let's all get inspired so mm-hmm. i'm obviously trying to do that because i think that's a lot more effective in terms of people can walk away with it which is why now i even change the way i structure my questions especially having somebody like yourself on the show so hopefully fingers crossed it's not as bad as maybe our thoughts are telling us but again all we can do is keep preaching um, and trying to spread as much awareness into the stuff that actually does matter such as a self-awareness i think self-awareness is one of the key key topics and i for the first 30 years of my life i don't think i was self-aware at all i was doing things and not really recognizing why i was doing them it was for external validation it was to make other people happy and now when i sit here having designed my life with my wife for the last best part of five years i'm in a place where yes everything's going on and i still suffer with anxiety and x y and z but i'm in such a great place because everything i design and everything that i care about and what i focus on on a daily basis is for me and it's serving me if that kind of makes sense so hopefully again people can use this as an opportunity not just to read your book not just to learn about social rest but also to look at themselves as well and think when this will restarts almost again are we going to restart it the right way the way for us as well yeah i love that because that's exactly that's really the focus now of most of the work that i do my website actually is titled I choose my best life, um, dot com. I love that. And so that's, that's, the, that's the whole concept around that is because it's a, it's a choice. You don't get to choose the bad that happens. You don't get to choose the adversity. You know, we would love to be able to do that. <laughs> that's <laughs> just course. not how life works. We don't get to choose that, but we do get to make choices that can lead towards our best life. And we can make choices that take us from where we're at to something that's a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And, you know, that change doesn't come quickly, but it does come. And so I think that's the hope in that is that even, you know, when we come out of this, if someone does come out and they're like, you know what, I'm really fearful, I'm really anxious, I'm really depressed, that there are choices that can be made that can move them to a better place. I love that answer. Thank you so much for sharing that. So on that note, what we're going to do is actually we're going to segue into what I like to call the fun part of the show. And the fun part of the show is just a whole array of random questions. So for the best part of 60 to 90 seconds, we're going to get to know some of your preferences and and a little bit more about you. Okay, we're going to go in three, two, one. Okay, what is your favorite hobby? Walking. The biggest mistake you made last year? Oh, that's hard. Uh, I didn't finish my book proposal. Your proudest achievement? My TEDx talk. Your favorite motivational speaker? Lisa Nichols. If you had an extra hour a day, how would you spend it? Talking to my husband. The best lesson anyone has ever taught you? I'm a nap. If you could get the listeners to do one thing after this episode, what would it be? Listen to their body. If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would that be? Hate. What is your favorite book? My favorite book is for the Red Fern Grove. What are you secretly good at that nobody knows? Uh, I minored in dancing in college. Ah, fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) The ability to read minds or predict the future? Read minds. Sandra, what would you like to be remembered for? Loving people well with my work. Love that. 
If you could sit with one person in the world for an hour, dead or alive, who would it be? Ooh, that's good. Jesus. And finally, what song best describes your life? Oh, wow. Song song that best describes my life. Oh, I can't even think of a single song right this second. Let's see. It's fine. (laughs) Take your time. Probably, I believe I can fly. Love that. Very inspirational song. Thank you. Thank you. So we are now at the end of the fun part of the show. So as we kind of head towards the end, there's just two more questions, if I may. The next question is about reflection. So I'm a firm believer that hindsight is a wonderful thing. And upon reflection, we can always think of ways to get to where we are quicker, easier or with less heartache. But at the same time, the journey also teaches us so, so much as well. And I guess everything kind of happens for a reason. So what I want to know is, if you could go back in time to maybe one moment where you struggled or you suffered with adversity and whisper something in your ears, knowing everything that you know now, what would you say? That's easy. I, it would be, um, I think I was about five years old. My mother died right after childbirth, so I never met her. I mean, she never left the hospital, actually. Um, so that I remember as a five-year-old child uh, sitting out on the steps at my, at my um, home and just weeping and like my I'm never going to be normal everybody else has a mom you know and in kindergarten and you know every no one else is like with this single parent home you know with the dad only kind of thing and if I could whisper something to myself then it would be that this you you're going to be okay it's going to be okay and it looks difficult it looks hard right now you know you feel out of place because your life is so different than all of your friends and their home life but it's going to be okay yeah, I love that message. Obviously, I'm sorry for the, I guess, start and the cards that you were dealt as a young person. But what an incredible service that you're now giving to the world in terms of everything that you're doing. And it's absolutely okay now. So I think that's very, very wise words to your five-year-old self. And just finally, then we are on to the last question. So the last question I'm going to ask you, Sandra, is about legacy. So if in 150 years time, science fails to save us and all that exists is a book, And this book, it's about your life. It's about everything that you've done and all of the weird and wonderful accomplishments that you've achieved. Firstly, what I want to know is what would the title of the book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell us about you? Wow, I would say the title would be Live Fully, Love Wholeheartedly, and Rest Intentionally. Love that. And the the information on the back would, would basically discuss the words of a woman who lived what she said well that does actually sadly bring us to the end of the show but before we end the show sandra i just want to ask you are there any questions that you wish i had asked you during this interview or is there any final messages you want to leave for the audience yeah it's just say to stay encouraged you know right now some a difficult season um but it is that it's a season and seasons change and seasons come and go this is a difficult one right now. It's a dry season, so to speak. But just to stay motivated in it, to find ways to water themselves and mind, body, and spirit, and to, to be aware of what feels depleted in their lives and to not ignore that depletion, but to really start looking at rest as restoration. You know, rest isn't simply just, you know, laying on the couch watching Netflix or something. You should be restoring something. And so see what needs to be restored and then do some intentional things to, to get back on track. I love that perspective as well and, and the way that you explained that. So what is the best way that the audience can connect with you? Yeah, the number one way I would say would be through restquiz.com. And main reason being is that actually gives them an assessment 
where they can see which of the seven types of rest that they're most efficient in. I think that is kind of the key part to start with that whole self-awareness. I just want to extend my hand one more time, Sandra, and thank you obviously for your time and for sharing all of your information and giving us the opportunity now to increase our levels of self-awareness and recognize what kind of rest we need, obviously to help ourselves move forward and find our voice. And for everyone else at home, thank you for listening. Awesome. And remember, this podcast is absolutely free. So all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes. Have an awesome day.